0: Whoever is listening, however you're listening, I want to welcome you back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 18. As always, I want to thank you guys for the overwhelming support that you all continue to pour out on the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Breaker, Radio Public. We're all, I don't want to say we're everywhere, but we're in a lot of places, and a lot of places I figured I would never be. And that's always, of course, thanks to you guys. We reached a huge milestone, a huge achievement, 1,000 plays. That is a four-digit number I never thought that I would ever reach. This podcast was always meant to be a resume builder, just a way to hone my craft so I could get better at what I want to major in and have something to be like, hey, this is what I do. This is I could, I could work with this. I've learned so much, and I've enjoyed so much, and I've had so many experiences. I had the interview with Tigers Talk Rugby. Just genuinely great guys to be around. And then I had an interview with Bob Murrow. I've learned about Gene Avery. So many fantastic experiences that because of you guys are possible and I can't wait to have more to be like, Wow, just because of this podcast, things are happening so fast, things are falling into place. I'm excited about where we can take this and I hope you guys are too. If you believe in this podcast, of course, share it with your friends and family. Like I always continue to do to you guys. I feel like I'm annoying y'all sometimes with the over Come watch this, come watch that, come watch this, come watch that. Ooh, this is out, this is out. But you guys always seem to enjoy it, always seem to love it, and that just makes me humbled and inspired each day to continue to hone my craft for you guys and work towards more success in the future. So let's work on that. So today I want to talk about J.J. Watt to the Cardinals, the surprising decision that was made, and I'll delve into why. Um, I also want to get into Alex Smith. He's expected to part ways with the Washington football team and where I think he should go. His most optimal landing spot and you're probably going to be, if you know who I am, you know what's coming. And of course, we have some what's the plan questions you guys poured in and I'm going to talk about, I think, three to four. Depending on if I get one back, I'm going to take those two topics, take a short break, and then we'll get to the what's the plan questions. So let's start with JJ Watt. So I was getting lunch yesterday, and I was thinking this was before the signing. Where's JJ Watt most optimal? Where, like, if he's if you plug JJ Watt into what team, where would he succeed the most? Where would which team could benefit from it? And instantly, my head goes to two teams: Buffalo and Green Bay. Buffalo, they needed a pass rusher in the AFC Championship game. Mahomes was going all over the place. Too much going on there for Buffalo. That was the if we get this guy, Super Bowl bound. And another spot was Green Bay. It made the most sense hometown of Wisconsin championship team Aaron Rodgers one more piece uh, extra veteran presence and so I'm I'm driving I'm doing my thing I check my phone when I get back and it says JJ Watt has signed with the Cardinals and I'm like wait a second the Cardinals I saw JJ Watt's Instagram picture the source me and of course the memes have been piling in the bike thing his top destinations I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Arizona. Why? I was very confused, and I I saw the money, $16 million a year for an aging defensive end. I was like, oh, okay, there's one reason. But I don't know why. This decision makes me feel sort of underwhelmed, and I don't know if it's because he's not going to stand out in the division. I feel like in the NFC at North, he'd stand out as one of the top premier players. AFC East, there's not really a pass rusher that comes to mind that's like, ooh, I want to get that. I you're thinking of like Shaq Lawson for the Dolphins or for the Bills. You could say Ed Oliver in that category. AJ Espinenza, if he develops into something, he would stand out there. The, a- the NFC West is defined by pass rushers. Chandler Jones of the Cardinals can get you a number of sacks. He's ridiculous. Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald for the Rams. I mean, Aaron Donald's name speaks for itself. You have Nick Bosa, who's coming back from an ACL injury. The Seahawks have Jamal Adams, if you want to... Do the whole Blitz Boy thing. The he's always out rushing off the edge, and then they have Carl Stunlap, who they acquired in from Cincinnati in the midseason of the twenty twenty NFL season during the whole trade deadline thing. So JJ Watt going to the Cardinals. I guess you're like, all right, he's gonna be Chandler Jones, Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker, JJ Watt. The team that finished eight and eight last year. Kind of felt like they started off really strong, and then they kind of got figured out. To me, Arizona is like, it's kind of like the, I don't want to play in the cold. I want to stay in this it's going to be warm weather. It's a smart decision. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury Cliff Kingsbury is very laid back, down-to-earth head coach. I think for J.J. Watt especially, it's that other Houston domino that's going to fall. Hopkins, Watt, and Watson, that last bit of that big three that made Houston what they were. I guess I didn't think J.J. Watt was going to sign with a team that is already... Three, like three feet deep in a hole because you're gonna have to compete with LA, who's got Matthew Stafford now. Seattle's kind of like a mystery, a question mark because Russell Wilson, I don't know what's going on there. I don't, if I'm gonna give my quick opinion on Russell Wilson, it would be what in the heck is going on and why is this another trade thing that's it's like front office versus quarterback, it's a standoff. Both of them are trying to reach for the pistol, their holster, but they can't do it because it's like wrapped around with a bunch of super glue. Because nobody wants to make a move. Nobody's willing to budge. So I feel like Seattle's a big question mark right now. I don't want to talk about Russell Wilson until that's finalized or he demands a trade. Because I feel like it's all in the air right now because it's all internal. And then you just hear reports coming in and out. And so for J.J. Watt to join the Cardinals, obviously it makes Arizona a better team. But by how much? Because they're fourth in sacks, so it's not like they're going to really be this impressive roster because of J.J. Watt. They're already a loaded roster with a lot of talent. It's just a division. It's kind of like when Brady was linked with the Chargers. Why would you go to a division with Patrick Mahomes, the Denver Broncos defense, and the Raiders are always tough to play. So it's kind of like, why do you join that? Why do you join a place that you all not only make the team better, but give them a better chance to compete for a Super Bowl? This fourth NFC West could be a four-head... Could be a head race for first place, and then three of their heads are chopped off because they've beaten the crap out of each other. Like the winner could be nine and seven or ten and six. Personally, if LA gets this stuff right with Matthew Stafford, I feel like they'd go twelve and four and win that division easy. It's just with Arizona, it kind of feels underwhelming to me. Uh I was more or less underwhelmed, and you can say down below in the comments what you think why he would sign with Arizona. Is it all because of the money? Is he think that Does he see something that we don't? Have they been in talks? Like, if I come here, are you guys going to pursue another person that would make the team stronger? Obviously, the development of Kyler Murray is huge with J.J. Watt, how that goes hand-in-hand. Kyler Murray gets better as a player. Obviously, Arizona will be better as a team, and then J.J. Watt doesn't have to do everything. Because I feel like, obviously, you don't want to be in Houston again. You want to be an organization that's well-run, like a well-oiled machine, because Houston definitely was a machine with 17 parts missing, and someone laid it out and was like, hey, here you go. This is the finished product. So that's kind of my thoughts on J.J. Watt. We'll have more as the season progresses, how Arizona and he's going to tie into all of that. So what I really, really wanted to get into was Alex Smith. And I feel like you're going to say, Alex Smith, click off. Like, that's the most boring NFL player you can think about, unless you know his story. Alex Smith is the 2020 NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Many are advocating for him to be named after the award, the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year, which I personally would be all for. I mean, the dude could have died. The dude could have had his leg amputated. A lot of stuff could have went wrong with Alex Smith, yet he persevered and he came back to play in the NFL. I mean, this dude's loaded on money. It's not like he needed the money, needed to come back. He wanted to prove something to himself, that he could play in the NFL again. And the joke I always hear is, Alex Smith, you're always holding your breath while you're watching him because The first game back, he had to play Aaron Donald. The thing with J.J. Watt. So many other pass rushers. Aaron Donald's probably the best pass rusher by far in there. And he sacked Alex Smith on, like, play two. And he, like, dove on top of him. I was like, no, no, Aaron Donald, please don't do that to Alex Smith. He's going to break his leg again. But he was able to go 5-1 and as a starter. To me, Alex Smith is the perfect game manager quarterback. He doesn't lose you games. He makes all the smart throws, the right decisions. He's not going to try to make something out of nothing. He does what he's told. He makes the right reads. Makes the great throws. And when he needs to, he makes that one good throw that you need in every NFL game to win. And he puts his team over the top. I mean, Washington went 5-1 and one with Alex Smith. That obviously was a big reason that they made the playoffs. I mean, he played the NFL Week 17 game that won them the division title. Obviously, you're going to say, but they went 7-9. and nine. But 7-9 and nine in the NFC East is apparently good enough. So, I'm going to say... This is my one destination, and I feel like you're going to hear this, and you're going to groan, you're going to moan, you're going to roll your eyes, but hear, whip, hear me out, hear me out. The Patriots. You're going to go, ah. Can you please don't, please don't talk about the Patriots for just two seconds? Come on. Hear me out. Alex Smith, New England, it fits. It just works. You hear other quarterbacks aligned with New England Patriots, Cam Newton, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, but I feel like it really works. And I, this is what, this is why. You're going to go into the 5-1 thing. Washington football on the offensive side, with the exception of Terry McLaurin, isn't exactly the most fantastic star stud roster. Sure, you got McKissick, Logan Thomas, and those guys are really good. Todeo Gibson, I forgot to add him, he was fantastic for Washington. Those guys are great, and Alex Smith is going to be a cheap option. There's going to be always that, there's going to always just be this like monkey on his shoulder and there's going to be that foot injury or the, the giant leg injury that Alex Smith had. Can he be durable? Can he play an entire 16 games? I think New England's offensive line, you could sign a quarterback for cheap and that's the thing, Alec, quarterbacks, don't they don't go very cheap in this league anymore. You could sign James Winston next week for like $15 million. And Alex Smith could be a really cheap option like they did with Cam Newton last year. Alex Smith, I think, throws a better ball than Cam Newton by far. And I think you can use that salary cap in other positive directions. You can get receivers for Alex Smith. You can build around him. Resign Joe Tooney. You're going to get your opt-outs back from 2020. You're going to get Hightower Cannon. You're going to get a lot of veteran pieces. This team could be a grind-it-out kind of team with a veteran presence like Alex Smith. You can kind of get behind him, rally. He's like, I've done it all. I've survived the most horrible injury I'm still here playing. It's a really great motivator for NFL teams. And you can get, like, Chris Godwin. You can get some receivers in the draft. You can start to build around this. And he doesn't have to be your end-all, be-all destination for Alex Smith. You can draft a quarterback. You don't have to use your first-round pick. You could do a second-rounder on, like, Jamin and Kyle Trask. Have Alex Smith be that mentor figure for this quarterback. And you can start building around when he leaves. And then you have your quarterback come in. It's kind of like when Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes were on the same team. You can bring other guys in around him. And then Mahomes has got the perfect team to work with. Terry Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Damian Williams at the time, who had a fantastic season before he opted out out of the year for COVID reasons. I think it would be perfect, especially with Bill Belichick. He's not going to try to go out and chase some $60 million quarterback. He's going to try to use his salary cap wisely. A lot of people forget that Belichick is a really really great head coach and he's able to ma- pull together a team so well I mean people are saying this Patriots roster is one of the worst rosters in football and they went seven and nine and had a lot of one possession games that if it had gone their way they probably would have been sitting in the playoffs in like a six or seven spot. so we, we don't need to pull the, pull the line off Belichick just yet I still think that New England getting the right pieces and getting a cheap option at quarterback that can make those throws that Cam Newton couldn't make those good decisions that Cam Newton sometimes couldn't do or couldn't see. I think Cam Newton's biggest problem has always been his pocket awareness. He thinks that if even if he gets hit, his body's so big, and he's such a, f- excuse me, such a figure, that he can just blow off these hits, scramble around, and make a fantastic play. It works, and sometimes it doesn't. So this is why I think Alex Smith is the perfect fit for the New England Patriots. It makes sense. It's safe. It's smart. I'm a big fan for it. I'm all in for it. If they signed him for like a one-year deal, two-year deal, say like, hey, we're going to bring you over. You're going to be our bridge guy. I'd be all for it. I'd be very, very much down for Alex Smith as the Patriots quarterback. All right, when we return, we're going to do the what's the plan questions. I am really excited for these. you cut got a Dak Prescott question. Will Tom Brady retire at some point? And Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields and a little bit more. What are my thoughts on all that stuff is coming up next. This is the man plan podcast and we will be right back. (music) And we are back. This is the man with plan podcast episode 18. It's time for the, what is the plan questions from you guys? We've got four. They range from Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and a little bit on Cam Newton. We're gonna start with Nick. Nick asks What is the situation with Dallas? Who has more leverage Dak or Dallas? He is gonna go with Dak I'm gonna take a similar approach, but I'm also gonna look it on it Look on both sides of the coin here. I'm gonna say that for this Report that came out with Dak Prescott asking for 45 million dollars a year Ooh, that's not a good look. I think for Dallas The more money Dak asks for, I think you're not going to be able to afford $45 million a year. You're going to have to move some parts. A lot of stuff for Dallas is kind of, and I'm going to say this, you're going to probably be like, hold up. He's not a restricted free agent. They can't match this. But let's say Dallas lets Dak test the market. Let's say he lets teams take a look at him, see what they're going to offer him. I think for Dak, Dallas is the optimal place. It's where he can increase his brand. He made over $50 million on endorsements last year. Can you imagine what the number is now? I mean, how many sleep number commercials have you seen in the last couple months? Dak Prescott is everywhere. Being the Cowboys quarterback is an endorsement in itself. No matter what money you're getting on your contract, you're going to earn a lot of money regardless. I think that for Prescott, it's going to be, how much am I going to ask for and how much can they afford? Dallas is obviously going to have to move around a lot of parts. And and I think Dallas, if you're going to say leverage, be like, hey, You guys weren't making the playoffs without me in a division that was full of problems, full of issues. I mean, the team that won the division was seven and nine. Are you really going to skip out on me? This is an opportunity to sign me now, get division titles, get in the playoffs, especially for Mike McCarthy. I don't think his leash is that long, particularly. I think that he's on thin ice because you had one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. You almost had the division in your hands if Philadelphia played a full game with Jalen Hurts, but what I'm going to tell you now is that if Dak Prescott is signed with the Dallas Cowboys, they will be my division favorite because Philadelphia, they're a mess. Washington football team, can they put it all together? Who's their quarterback? New York, Daniel Jones, can he progress? Take that next step forward. I think, Nick, you're right on Dak Prescott being the one with all the leverage, but can Dallas really afford what he's asking? Sure, he's going to have leverage, but Leverage is nothing without money to pay for it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, thanks for your question, Nick. My next question goes to my guy, Mitchell Bishop. Mitchell, congratulations on your commitment. By the way, I'm so proud of you. So happy for you. I got to get you on here soon talk about that process. But your question was, Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields. Who do you prefer? I'm going to tell you all a little little sidetrack flashback thing. I went to Waffle House with my roommates a couple months ago. And we had this discussion, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, because obviously there's no point in debating Trevor Lawrence. He's the bona fide number one pick. This draft is Trevor Lawrence's number one, and then the rest isn't entirely a big mystery. Like, we don't know who would be landing where. Teams can make different decisions come draft day and free agency. But who would you take, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? So let's talk about Zach Wilson for a minute. Zach Wilson, obviously the BYU QB, the BYU product, electric. He's the new toy in the toy box. And I think I'm going to list off a couple quarterbacks here that have been kind of Zach Wilson's type, showed up out of nowhere last year, ends up being a first round pick. Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson. Uh, We're going to go with Mitchell Trubisky, Daniel Jones. Mitchell Trubisky, the second overall pick. That's kind of crazy to say, second overall. Wow. Over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, North Carolina senior season, had a great year goes to the draft. Daniel Jones, Duke, great season, picked sixth. We'll see if that pans out. Daniel Jones has had a lot of good positive things that have happened for him, a lot of negative things that I think could change and help him out in the future. So for Zach Wilson, it really depends on where he goes. He's projected right now to be the second overall pick, and I think, shout out to Reed, my brother-in-law, he brought a great perspective into this on this Justin Fields, Zach Wilson argument. He goes, Grayson, People forget how much of a crap fest the Big Ten was. I mean, all the COVID protocols, the cancellations. Ohio State wasn't supposed to play this year, and yet they got to the national championship at 7-1. and one. You forget all the cancellations that happened, all the players that were out. Justin Fields couldn't build a chemistry with his receivers, his offensive line, the timing. Of course there are going to be hiccups. Of course there's going to be multiple interception games. Guys are going to be in different spots where Fields wants to put the ball. It's a completely different team from last year because of all the COVID restrictions, because of all the cancellations. If you get sick, you're not playing in the games. You have to take a 21-day absence. It's a whole mess. So for Justin Fields alone to put up numbers that he did this year, and people forget the body of work. We're going to talk about an entire body of work with Fields. His sophomore campaign where he was a Heisman finalist, 40 touchdowns, one interception. People forget that he was listed as the 1B to Trevor Lawrence's 1A after a The Estable, that was a 29-23 battle. Fields is always going to be in games for you. He's not going to lose these games. He's not going to make stupid decisions, and you're going to go, stupid decisions, but those multiple inter We covered that, the timing, the stuff that happens. He didn't have Garrett Wilson in that Northwestern game, his top target. What happens when he has all of his guys and time to work with this stuff? Not just time in the pocket, but time to practice it out. They beat Clemson, and they scored seven touchdowns. He had six of them. It's just kind of a, what are you going to do here? Justin Fields wins the games. He's a winner. And obviously, you're going to point to the Ohio State quarterbacks, Haskins, Cardell Jones, JT Barrett. They didn't pan out in the NFL, but Fields is, I feel, a little different. Those guys were the all the same style, pocket passers, not really anything. They're not, they don't have an it factor. I feel like Fields' it factor is his toughness, because you're going to see that he took a major shot to Skalski. A lot of people thought he was done for the game, comes in, throws six touchdowns. Toughness. That's what NFL teams want and NFL teams need. So, to answer your question, Mitchell, I am overwhelmingly going to take Justin Fields. I have changed my mind. I still think Zach Wilson's a fantastic prospect, but I prefer Justin Fields at this moment. The next question goes from my guy, Wesley. Wesley is the guy for Auburn football. Dude, you should start an Auburn podcast. I'm like telling you, man, that would be hilarious. He is the kind of guy that after a game, he posts his reactions, it's all raw, it's all emotional. He is the guy that's like, in your face about his team because he's so passionate about it. So, he has a question about his guy, Cam Newton, the Auburn quarterback that won him a national championship. He wants to know, where does Cam Newton end up? Well, Wesley, I got two spots for you. A potential reunion with New England, or the Washington football team. Let's start with the Washington football team. Ron Rivera, that reunion, it makes sense, and there was a lot of reports earlier in the season that Cam Newton would end up in Washington after the New England Patriots and him kind of decided we're going to part ways this isn't really going to be a long-term beneficial thing for either party I think for Cam Newton a lot of people were kind of waiting around for him to get signed because a lot of NFL teams were hesitant to pick him up and he wanted a starting quarterback role the Washington's perfect for it they have Taylor Heineke ready to take over if needed but they need a starting guy with experience veteran playoff experience Cam Newton you're going to have the arguments. He can't throw the ball. He can't drive it down the field like he used to. Yeah, some of that's there, but Cam Newton also has pieces to help him out. Antonio Gibson, he's got Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas. They've got guys there, and they've got the championship defense to do it. It kind of mirrors the 2015 Carolina Panthers team that Rivera and Newton built that took them to a Super Bowl. Washington was a team that needed a bigger quarterback than Alex Smith to step it up, better than a game manager that can really have that elevation that Washington needs. Not saying that Alex Smith is terrible, but they kind of were on different like different perspectives on where they wanted to go because there was a report that Washington did not want Alex Smith to play at all. They felt like that would be detrimental to the team's success, and Alex Smith said "F that, I'm doing it." Like I I'm serious like he said quote that. I'm not actually saying F that on the podcast. That'd be kind of crazy. But to answer your question Wes, I think that also New England could be a potential reunion. Let's think about this. Cam Newton has been out of the NFL for a year at the time. Gets signed with the New England Patriots, the COVID thing happens. COVID's gonna play a not just like a storyline for being political and all this stuff, but like COVID really messed up a lot of guys in terms of timing. Cam Newton was given a limited offseason, no training camp, no OTAs, and a brand new team, one of the most complicated offenses in NFL history to master. And they went seven and nine, and they had a couple one game possessions that Flip the script on that, they make the playoffs with Camp Newton. So say what you will about him, but he did do the best he could, and the best he could almost was the playoffs. So you put him on a team like New England, you run it back, you get some weapons, you re-sign him for cheap because I don't feel like the the market value on Cam Newton's gonna be very high. I think there's potential there. So Wesley, to answer your question, Washington and New England are my preferred landing spots if Cam Newton is to get signed. So my final question it comes from Zainab and I really don't know if this is a joke or not Zaynab. you can message me separately you can text me on Snapchat or whatever but she asked will Brady ever retire To answer your question not trying to be like funny here but like Brady's going to have a cybernetic arm and he's going to be throwing footballs in the NFL at like 65 it's going to be crazy but I think for Brady it's always going to be what happened with Peyton Manning can he take the next big hit that comes his way cuz it's going to happen it's football this A sport where people get clobbered in the head, clobbered in all over the place. It happened to Peyton Manning. He took that big hit. His career, there was a timeline for him. There was a light at the end of the tunnel, and he was very close to it. Let's say Peyton Manning doesn't get hit in the neck and doesn't have to have that surgery. Not only does the entire NFL landscape change, because Andrew Luck doesn't go to the Colts. Peyton Manning doesn't go to the Broncos. So many things don't happen. I feel like Manning wouldn't be playing to the same years as Tom Brady, but I think he would be playing a little bit longer. He probably would have played to 2018, that would have been my guess, like a year or two, and Denver probably would have made the playoffs again. And they would still be in this quarterback cycle because I think Elway kind of doesn't know what he's doing with this quarterback thing. But with Brady, I'm going to give it a cap of 3 years because eventually I feel like he's going to want ah, I just don't know. I don't want to see he's eventually going to want to retire because He's not satisfied with seven Super Bowls. There's I was watching Callan Cowherd before I started recording and he wants an eighth one. He said he called his quarterback coach a day after the Super Bowl and was like, I really feel good about next year's team. I mean, he probably enjoyed the win for a couple hours and was like, all right, let's get on to Super Bowl eight. I want another one. I want to fill my hands with a bunch of rings and too many to count. He's just simply goaded that way. That mentality can't be matched. So I'm going to give it three years, and we'll revisit that question. Thank you, Zaynab, for that. All right, that was the Man with the Plan podcast episode 18. As always, if you enjoyed, leave a subscription if you're on YouTube, on Spotify, give us a follow. Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a rating. That would be much appreciated. As always, thank you guys for the support. And share this podcast with your friends and family. If you believe in the show, continue to support it as you guys have been doing. You guys are fantastic. I hope you have an amazing day. And as always, you take care.